Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. Hello and welcome to Guilty Greenie. We are your imperfect host. I'm Kate Bagby. And I'm Sarah Ferris. And it has been a hot minute since we've had an episode of Guilty Greenie. I know. I'm so excited to be back. It's going to be a lot of fun. So our guest today is Charlotte Bullock. And she is one of the founding members of the Chiswick Repair Cafe. I mean, I guess the premise overall, and Charlotte will say it far more eloquently than I will, is that they've set up a space where people can bring in items that are broken that would essentially be thrown away. And the idea is that they get a second bite at life. Have you ever repaired anything? Definitely, I'm a fix-it kind of gal. I'll give it a crack. But more out of laziness than anything, because I can't be bothered getting rid of it. You? Yeah. I know uh, you are. I don't know. Maybe I'm selling myself short, but I feel like, no, I'm not. That's one of the reasons I got married. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's just a win for the patriarchy. Well done. So you've probably got some statistics because I know you. For sec down. What stats have you got for me today? Well, I'm sure Charlotte's going to go into go into this, but not surprisingly, repair culture has gone down significantly. You know, 1940s, everybody repaired things. There was an article mentioning that in the 1990s, a couple of things happened, one of which manufacturing costs went down. So the price of new goods also went down, which meant people were not only buying more, but that paired with the fact that the cost of repairs increased meant that people ended up just throwing things out because it was seen and still is seen as more economical to buy something new. But we know this when we've talked about clothing and stuff is a lot of what's out there on the market, overwhelmingly what's on the market now, new stuff coming on tends to be quite cheaply made like the materials they're not meant to last Mm -hmm. and as a result we've also seen like an increase in repairs though you know like the i was going to say chiswick so i'm glad you said chiswick (laughs) save me that embarrassment later (laughs) it's spelled chiswick but we live in england so we just randomly choose which letters we're going to enunciate 
But there's been an increase in repair shops because people are realizing that, you know, once you have good quality, you want to hang on to that good quality. But the skills of knowing how to repair stuff have, you know, kind of fallen off over the years because people haven't had to do it. Mm. So that's why, you know, the repair cafe is such a valuable thing. And I was reading through their website where the person who brings the item in, they have to stay there while the item's being repaired, unless it takes like a really long time. And part of that on their website was saying, you know, part of that's education as well. So, oh, yeah, you know, and, and in my opinion, it's good for two reasons. One, you know, you learn a new skill or part of a new skill, but two, it also helps to strengthen the community. That's how you start making connections and, and learning about people in your neighborhood and in such a fast paced world where, you know, even family units are very dispersed now. It's powerful. Like, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. I imagine if I was living alone, but I had a skill that could work at a repair cafe, I would work super slowly putting something back together just so I could have a chat to that person. <laughs> be like, they're like, really, how long is this taking, Sarah? <laughs> you say, well, you if, they're wor- if they're working very quickly, you know. No, <laughs> so I'm curious what the most common items are. I love that you're curious about that. I'm curious about the most niche items. That's the question I can't Same. wait. And I'm I'm curious if they've ever come across an item that they just couldn't. I mean, in my items. experience, there are some instruments that shouldn't be repaired. The recorder being one and also the violin or the violin as we call it in our house. Why? What's wrong with the violin? It's just, and I can see there's a cello in the background now, yeah. so I may not have read the room properly, but um, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody who's just, yeah, so for anybody who's just listening to this, behind me, cello. behind me is a cello, an oboe, a flute and a clarinet. Do you know what's hilarious is I hadn't even clocked the others. I'd only seen the giant cello. Hello. Oh, I'm listening listen to nearly all of your podcasts now. I listen to like in a week on nonstop. So I felt like you were living in my head, Sarah. I, I feel like I know Sarah really well now. And, but, and yeah, I'm, I'm quite conversant with your life as well. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you can't, you can't escape her. I was just saying, I was listening to one of her other podcasts yesterday, Tonka Trilogies. And so she's, con- even when we're not doing a show, she's constantly in my head. Well, I guess we should get on to what we're here to talk about. Charlotte, would you please do us the solid of giving us a little introduction on yourself and why you were here to talk to us today on The Guilty Greenie? Oh, yeah. Hi. Thank you for having me. So I'm here to talk to you about the Chiswick Repair Cafe, which is now one year old. So we've got a whole year's worth of experience, which is great. I mean, I worked in the kind of corporate tech media world for kind of 25 years. And I took redundancy about six years ago. And I told my husband that I was going to take two years off six years ago. So (laughs) in that time, I've done lots and lots and lots of things, but none of them paid for. Well, very few of them paid for. So I've still got to tick that box. But in the meantime, I've had loads and loads of fun doing loads of other things. So during lockdown, I worked on an eco startup, which was a kind of carbon offsetting startup. And it also 
we kind of were developing a tool where you could measure the carbon footprint of like a, an item of clothing and then say to like oh. vendors, you know, do you want to add this thing to your cart so that you can say, pay 50p to offset the jumper that somebody's buying? Oh, that's um, fascinating. We, we've talked about, you know, the difficulty in calculating your carbon footprint, never mind per item as a consumer. And Sarah, I think, gave me that. You did. You gave me that challenge to calculate my footprint. And I tried so I think I tried like four or five different calculators. And at the end, I just kind of threw my hands up because, you know, it didn't take into account clothing. It didn't take into account, you know, your diet, things like that. It was more like. I totally agree. It's really hard. And I did one. There's one in the UK that I think is like the World Land Trust or World Wildlife Fund or something. And it's quite kind of respected. But I did it and it was like, sometimes it asked about my family and sometimes it was about me. And so I was like, mm, I'm just not really sure that this counts. And yeah. yeah, anyway. So as part of that, we had a kind of marketing person and he told us that we should get involved with our local council. And at the time, the local council were opening up this initiative called Environmental Champions, which is just local residents who kind of care about the environment. And so they kind of put us all together and we gathered that there were kind of four of us who were really, really local. And we ended up meeting in the parks and kind of spitballing ideas. And one day we just said, what about doing a repair cafe? And we just couldn't think of reasons not to. Like, you know, it, just, it didn't seem too hard. And yeah. we decided to go for it. And council gave us a grant for a thousand pounds. Yeah. And that's it. That's how we started. The why, why a repair cafe? I mean, had you had experience with repair cafes before? How did that no, pop into your brain? No, I mean, there's just, there's quite a lot of ironies because people ask me how to fix things and I can tell them where all the local fixes are, but I can't fix the change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a Facebook group called Sustainable-ish. There's this lovely woman called Jen Gale who runs it. And she's very, very inspiring. And in a kind of like, you know, like your podcast is trying to be like a non-scary, safe space, not too judgmental. Mm -hmm. And she spontaneously, because I think it kind of nearly killed her, decided to do an online Zoom festival in lockdown. And one was about a repair cafe and people just kind of made it sound not too hard. And the other thing that we were told was kind of, if you just fix five things, you're sending out a signal that you can fix things. So it wasn't so much about what we could achieve. It was about like kind of sending out a message. So that was the inspiration. So walk us through how you set it up in the first place. So you've got this concept. Is there a uh, blueprint yeah. for it? Yes. So there's this amazing woman whose name I've forgotten. She's Dutch and the story goes that she kind of was in her community and she decided that all these people had this kind of broken things. And so she got everyone together and they had a kind of fixing day. And then she was brilliant. That's done. Like everything's fixed. And, uh, and then people kept coming up to her and going, that was great. When's the next one? She was like, really? <laughs> and so I <laughs> really have to do all that again. And then that was about 10 years ago and she did do it again and everyone loved it. And then she spent quite a lot of time kind of developing like how it could be franchised. I mean, it's like an eco franchise. So you pay 40 quid a year and you're part of their website. You put your events on there. It's now global. It's completely mushrooming. 
but there are lots of templates, lots of guides, lots of how-tos on how to fix things, but also how-tos on how to set up a repair cafe. I kind of say it's a slightly lost in translation name because it doesn't immediately say what a repair cafe is. Like, are you fixing, I don't know, fixing coffees? So it is just a bit weird. <laughs> but we yeah. do repair things and we have really great cake and coffee. So uh, <laughs> we've covered all the bases. Yeah. <laughs> just in case there's any confusion. Yeah. <laughs> Where is the space as well? Like you've obviously got to hire a space. Yes. I mean, the space is quite key, but we just happen to be, the four of us, um, two of us were kind of members of our local church. And one of them just went ahead and asked the vicar before we were kind of even sure whether we wanted to do this. And the vicar said, yeah, that sounds good. You know, you can rent the church. That's fine. So it happens to be just a genius place to do it because, you know, it's really in the center of our very busy high street. We do it on a Saturday so people can come when they're doing their chores. And we get this kind of funny, like, line of walking wounded people coming, carrying their lamps and their lawnmowers and their guitars. <laughs> <laughs> One of our co-founders, she used to run Prulith, which is a kind of UK, a beautiful kind of cooking school. She is a really, really great chef. So she drives the delicious cakes. Oh. And um, people come in and they register. We have a piece of paper, and, you know, name and address and what they come to fix and, you know, how they heard about us. And it's, it turns out to be a complete goldmine of information, that piece of paper. And then they sit down and they've got a bit of time to have their delicious cake and coffee. I mean, it takes about 30 volunteers each time. So we have about six or seven people on a group of tables, which is electrics. So that's all like from Nutribullets to KitchenAids to, you know, anything. And then a few people with them who work on computers and electronics. And then you head round and there's the kind of sewing table where there's two sewing machines and darning and crocheting and costume jewellery, re-beading and that kind of thing. And there's the woodwork table where they're re-gluing picture frames and stools and chair legs and that kind of thing. And then just around the corner from them, there's a guy who kind of will fix bikes. And then there's our knife sharpening man as well. And the piece of paper kind of comes into like a central station and I'm on like task allocation generally. And they're meant to sit with the repairer because the idea is that you also learn a skill. So you don't even have to know anything about electrics. Sometimes you can fix stuff by just making sure you've got the right light bulb or, you know, you had somebody who came in and she just hadn't been connecting the mix-up bowl properly. And so you can learn while you watch the repairer repairing. And once that's full finished, the repairer takes them to the exit desk where we have massive donation, donate please signs with lots of big sum ups everywhere. And then they do a little kind of, were you happy with your repair? And absolute delighted notes of thank you. So it's a whole process, which is, yes, lovely. In the case, because you brought up this point, you know, it's, it's donations based, you know, you're not charging for these services. In the case that, let's say, a fuse has blown out and a new fuse needs to be had, is that something that you have on hand? Like, does everybody kind of have some stuff of the usual yes. things that could go wrong? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, the, before the kind of walking wounded uh, people come in, the the volunteer repairers come in and they're all dragging their funny roller toolboxes or their their ironing boards or whatever. So yeah, they've learned what bits of kit they need. And then we pay for those, you know, if they need glue or 
screws or fuses or whatever. And in the case where it's somebody really needs a special part, they can often just say, this is the part you need. And then they might go and get it and they might bring all of it back next time. So obviously that's a bit of a slow process. I'd imagine too, that's part of the, you know, learning process as well to say, you need this piece. And when you get home, this is how you you know, plug it in or do it yeah, if, if you don't feel capable, all, come back. Yeah, yeah, that there are parts that sometimes there are parts available and it is possible to do it. Yeah. If you're loving all this free content and thinking, how can I support the podcast? Well, one way is to support our sponsors like this one. I don't know about you, but I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or my favourite, even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. The battery lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It has over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, which makes them an awesome present. Go to Blendjet2.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code FERRIS12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. That's FERRIS, as in my last name, F for frog, E-R-R-I-S for sugar, 12. Whatever way you remember it, Ferris 12 into the website. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Plus, as a bonus, it's a great way to support the podcast. And if you can't remember Ferris 12, go to the show notes and click the link. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When we were talking recently, when we connected, Charlotte, you mentioned that certain items, like certain coffee machines, have their own individual screws. I mean, that's just part of the frustration of this, you know, overly capitalized, commercialized world that we live in. And part of doing the Repair Cafe is part of being a part of a bigger movement. And One of the things that is happening is a a movement called Right to Repair, a a kind of activism to make sure that things are not glued so that you can't open them and to make sure that people don't use bespoke screws. So part of doing that is knowing that this particular brand does that and maybe creating a feedback loop to say, make sure that your kettles are openable or whatever. So you know, we're starting to track the brands and feed into databases that will start tracking those things. So there's a, a movement called the Restart Project, and they're kind of trying to drive this aim to make things fixable and by tracking a lot of data. And a lot of the repair cafes are feeding their data into that so that, you know, even if, you, like I said, if, even if you fix five things, those five things that are repair cafe are multiplied, you know, nationally, globally, and that it can start a movement. One of the things that we were talking about before you came on was 
why we're seeing an increase in disposable items, but also what's led to the revolution in terms of repairing things. And one of them was the right to repair, that items became either increasingly difficult, cheaply made, so it didn't make sense to repair them, or I was a bit distracted just now because I was looking up a map and the United States, only certain states have a right to repair. And that's not necessarily every single item. It might be you have a right to repair your vehicle, but maybe not your KitchenAid mixer. And it becomes really tricky to know what you can and can't. Yeah, it's just so hard. I mean, so often of these things, France is leading the way and it, 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 legislation is coming in to to try and encourage people to make things parts and fixable. But you know, that's crazy because France is just part of the EU and then all of these things are made in China. It's just, so we need it to be kind of global, don't we? Yeah. And it can be as simple as, I think the EU passed that last year. I don't think it's come come into form yet, but all cell phones, I believe, have to have the same charging port. So, you know, you're not every time you get a new cell phone or every time you switch brands or whatever, you're not having to then switch out all of your cables as well. Well, I'd imagine it makes it sometimes difficult when people bring things into the repair shop, you know, speaking of parts, but also I'm curious specifically with e-waste because it's planned obsolescence from a lot of these companies. You know, they make it so you have to or are strongly encouraged to buy a new phone every 18 months because it's already the technology is already outdated. Do you find that a lot of people are coming in with electronics? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Electric appliances as well as computers and phones. I mean, to be fair, we don't get as many phones and um, computers as we thought we would, but actually I think those are served elsewhere. You know, you can go to somewhere and get your computer fixed and get your phone fixed. Whereas if your Nutribullet breaks, you actually don't know where to go. We better serve at areas where people don't know how to fix things or there are not mm-hmm. services to fix these things. And then sometimes people are happy that to be told it's not fixable. And that it's okay for them to, you know, get that space back in their cupboard that it's kind of giving them guilty looks for whenever they see it there and it's broken, they can't use it. You are resonating with my seat right now because right above my lap is this drawer of where broken phones have gone. And Mm. I can feel it burning into my thighs right now (laughs) just knowing I should open it. Because, you know... Deal with that, Sarah. You've got to put those elements, those precious sources back into back in the, the environment. But here's the thing. I mean, I know in here there's one phone already that's got a crack in the screen and yeah. I want to be able to just like pass that phone on. But I feel like, okay, I can't do that when it's broken. And then I'm investing my time and money in getting the screen fixed to do that. And it's like sitting in there and it's, I even put it on my whiteboard as a thing to do this month. And I haven't done it. I'm, I'm opening the drawer as I speak because I'm terrified to see it. But I think what, Oxfam just take them from you, Sarah. Do they? Great yeah. information. Great information. But uh, here's the other thing that that made me think of is laptops. Because people, you know, we think about what's on our computers, what's on our phones. And there's a worry, I guess, that you pass that information over and it hasn't been stripped. Is that something that people can do at the repair cafe, like get their laptops stripped so that they're ready to pass on to 
places. I, yeah, I mean, I think if you turned up and we've got two, two, three guys who do the computers, if you just said, I just want to clear it so I can donate it, I think they'd do that in minutes. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, can you block a slot out for like 30 computers <laughs> <laughs> for the 18th of November? <laughs> I have some fun facts on e-waste. So it makes up about 2% of landfill waste, but about 70% of total toxic waste optimistically the numbers are they think only 20% of it uh, is recycled and do people bring in a lot of TVs no we never get TVs yeah I don't know why we just don't know interesting Um, you'd be surprised what people do bring in like actually people are surprisingly fond of some of their electric items like we have this woman who's always turning up the tea maids do you even know what a tea maid is Kate no. I had never heard of it. It's a very yes. English thing. Okay. Well, obviously, but... we're all obsessed with tea. Exactly. And, oh, I thought you said um, a cheese made. And I'm like, either way, I still no. have no idea what this is. Is it going to help if you know how it's spelled? I don't think so. A tease made. T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E. Okay. I mean, I never grew up with one either, but they kind of sit on your bedside table. You plug them in. You have this whole timer and you wake up to your cup of tea being made. Okay. Yeah. And this yeah. woman collects them. We couldn't understand why this woman kept coming in with more teas mates. I mean, it's just absolutely bonkers. But oh on Monday, I bumped into one of our repairers. I was dog walking and he was out walking as well. And I said, Oh, did you enjoy this session that we had on Saturday? And he said, Yes. The thing that made me really happy was how happy I made all the ladies who came in with things that they, I'd fixed for them. And he, he does all the kind of electrics. So things that are not you know, not exciting in my world, but, yeah. but you know, he said that they they really were so happy and that made him happy too. Yeah, I'd imagine seeing the smile on people's faces, you know, whether it's a nostalgic item or just something that you thought couldn't be fixed and now you don't have to go buy something new. Yeah. It's really a joy to see. Yeah, yeah it, it really does. There's just a lot of oxytocin coming on. It's like volunteers being happy that they're fixing things because they like doing it. And then people coming in are delighted that things have been brought back from the dead, you know, literally and metaphorically, and just happy that they've got a solution to a problem. So it, it just yeah. it makes a lot of people very happy. Mm. Talking of those volunteers, can you tell us about, you know, where they come from? Like, who is your typical profile of a volunteer that's doing the repairing? I mean, we just did a little kind of old school campaign uh, around the neighborhood with posters in the library and at the local, you know, grocery, etc. Saying, do you like fixing things? And we had a coffee morning in the church. And then we just did a like presentation about why we wanted to do this thing and whether anyone wanted to come in on this slightly crazy journey with us. And I think we had, I don't know, maybe 20 people come. In the end, a lot of those people have been with us ever since and have been to every repair cafe and they just like fixing things. And we have a kind of a bit of a weird gender divide where the men are all the fixers of the electrics and the woodwork and the women are all the sewers. (laughs) Oh, God. And then we have one woman who who doesn't like that gender divide, so she crosses across all all of them and decides. Yay her. Yay her. I like it already. Yeah. yeah. 
That makes me just uh, want to repair something just so I can yeah. go on and split the gender divide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I, <laughs> I was thinking it'd be, it'd be a great opportunity for like an internship, you know, very informal, like come shadow this person for the day, you know, for yeah. a young, younger generation to come in. Yeah, I mean, I think over years we'll be able to do that. Now we're still we was, we're still very busy on the day. But what we tend to do is we use a buddy system where when we introduce a new volunteer we don't quite know their expertise level. We put them with somebody who's really experienced. And actually, you really see, especially with the men, they really group together and you can see all the photos of them looking at stuff together and they really, really bond over. It's lovely. And then we've got a couple of fathers and sons. So we have a local guy and it's so cute because he's called Pedro Jr. And then his dad comes and he comes every Saturday and he's Pedro Sr. And it's just so oh. nice. They just, they're smiling and then conferring and fixing things and just it's, they just love it. It's wonderful. Is there any gaps? Are there any like things that cannot be repaired that you're like, God, I just need that person, you know? Instrument. Instrument person. Instrument person. I mean, we, well, yeah, that's the kind of big question. I mean, we don't have a clock repairer, but, you know, we don't always have clock people turning up. You know, and jewellery, we just had somebody come and do jewellery this week and that was great because we often get restringing necklaces and stuff and it, I, I think that's going to be a really good addition. So, yeah, we're kind of just learning as we go along, but no, we don't have any more gaps. I mean, I think we could do more, but we all give our time for free, so we don't want to do like once a week or... Yeah, you've got to draw kind of the line somewhere. Stop. Draw <laughs> that line at 20 T's maids. Yes, that's so where you stop. Yeah. She brings in like the 20th, you- you're out. Charlotte, you must have some amazing stories of items that you've seen walk in and just gone, why? What is the most memorable item that you've seen come in? I mean, that's always a story. A couple of months ago, we had somebody come in with, I don't know if you'd recognize this, it's kind of like a like a soft toy dog on wheels with a frame. So it's like a toy from the 50s. And she came in and went to the sewing people and they said, oh, you need some fur, otherwise we can't really restore it. So she went away and she researched it. And if it was like genuine fur, you know, similar to the one from the 1950s, would have cost her a fortune. So she settled on a kind of synthetic equivalent. And then there were just these incredible pictures of all the sewing team kind of pulling this dog together and putting the eyes on and just like rebuilding this this lovely dog and then we ended up talking to the owner and she said actually it was abandoned at a bus stop near my daughter's home and we rescued it I mean he just couldn't be astray like that so (laughs) (laughs) so we took him in and got him fixed up and now we're just waiting for some grandchildren to play with it just really sweet oh and they're really subtle not so subtle yeah the kids <laughs> I know. like no pressure <laughs> sitting in the window as they come around to visit the the awaiting puppy dog that's really funny and then yeah it- then there was one that just like made us all cry with this lady with this kind of tape recorder and they got it working again it's a slightly older lady and it was her mum's voice and her mum had passed away oh wow she was obviously really moved to be able to hear her mum you know, he's talking again and it was just really lovely. Yeah. That's very special. Yeah. So you just get some, these really nice little stories each time. And really funny ones as well. Like a lady kind of came in with this sheep and it had a kind of, they were like, what is this? You have a lot of animals coming. Yeah. 
I suppose there there was that you kind of maybe like relate to a bit more. But anyway, um, it was this weird pink sheep with kind of funny clothing on. And we were like, what is this? And she said, oh, it's a Madonna sheep. And we left, what? (laughs) I'm a real Madonna fan. I've been a Madonna fan for 20 years. And it's a dancing Madonna sheep. And it no longer sings and dances. And it had literally a kind of pink conical bra Oh my God. Tell me there is a photo somewhere yeah. of this sheep. I'll definitely send it to you. Thank you. And so we, the guys got it working, and then suddenly it was there going like a virgin. What's the demographic then? Are you finding that there's a spread in age? Who do you find is showing up the most? Yeah, so it's it's mostly kind of middle-aged and older people. But we do get some young people and we've got this one little kid who keeps coming with things he's found and he can't wait to get them fixed. It's oh, so that's cute. cute. Yeah, he has a kind of tape recorder and all of this stuff. And his dad was so pleased because he was like, he's been bugging me to get this thing fixed and I just didn't know how. <laughs> <laughs> and so they kind of sit there and they watch the repairer doing stuff and they just get so excited. And as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, holidays are coming up. And holiday dinners and oftentimes you hear people either go out and buy brand new dish sets so that everything's matching based on how many people they're going to have or they go out and get paper plates. You know, for me, it's always the people you're with, not the plates you're eating off of. So who cares if they match? Shifting out of that mindset. And I feel like this is where the Repair Cafe helps to the point of your about community and bringing people together and being like, there's other ways to do this. Yeah. And also... There's so much of that stuff already in the world, you know, go to all the charity shops, buy all the Christmas things and put it together and voila, it will look amazing. Mm. I just inherited this whole load of mismatched napkins, but they're all embroidered in different ways. And I just put them all out on a big linen tablecloth with old fashioned candlesticks and it it looks lovely. Well, I love also the way that, you know, there's obvious benefits for what you are doing at the Repair Cafe, which is you're giving a second life to items. But have you seen unexpected benefits from the human interaction? Yeah, I mean, I kind of touched upon it, but we definitely created some friendships that had not been there before. And it's it's much more visible in the men. You see them kind of really bonding, really sharing. And There's so many stats about men being isolated and not communicating, not sharing, not having those kind of extra hobbies. And it's just so lovely. So we have a kind of team briefing just before we open the doors. And we always introduce two of the volunteers. They stand up. It's called Just a Minute. And they have to introduce themselves in a minute. And, you know, one of them says, I work in tech. Everything I do is in the cloud. And I just love coming here once a month and fixing things for real, you know. So he gets this mm. kind of tangible benefit of of actually kind of physically mm. fixing something. But you can see that he just loves also the interaction with his friends that he's made through this enterprise. And in the UK, we, we have this TV show called The Repair Shop. Sarah was telling me about this. I'd yeah. never heard of it. And this guy, he found out that once a year, they open their doors for you to go and have a look. And he just said, does anyone want to come? And he went a couple of weekends ago, he took those photos and fed back to the group. And he wouldn't have done that before, you know, so he's got this whole new lease of life. Yeah. Um, But then there was another really, really sweet um, two men and this eight-year-old said, oh, yeah, I hear you do jazz piano and I want you to teach me. 
So the other guy arranged a piano tuner and a whole load of music oh. to go to his house. And then he said, I just don't understand it because apparently jazz piano is completely different to normal piano. So the piano guy went round to the other guy's house. He's in his 80s. And uh, he said, I taught, I taught him all afternoon. So, he, you know, now he understands the language. And I just couldn't believe it. It was such a lovely inspiration. He had this desire to pick up the piano again and that these two men had these two passions that they were going to, you know, they carry on with them. And I just thought it was lovely. So they, there really are these just wonderful friendships and, and co-benefits, as they say. And we get people coming just to sit in the front bit and have coffee and catch up with people just because it's a nice atmosphere. And we put out the papers and some people just sit quietly reading the paper. So yeah, it's just a, a really lovely kind of community feel. And we, we won a community award this, this year as well. So we're pleased about that too. So Amazing. It's not just about repairing the item, but it's also bringing together the community. And, you know, you'd mentioned loneliness. I think there was some stat that was floating around a while ago that said being lonely is the equivalent of smoking like two packs of cigarettes a day. Like that's the damage it does to your health. Mm. Really, really. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's really important. Very holistic cafe. I love it. I'm imagining it in sepia tones as well. Do you gravitate towards one particular, like maybe sewing or woodworking? If you thought like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. Like, where would you gravitate towards? I think it goes to what we were talking about earlier. I would really like to be able to drill things and, you know, (laughs) yes, hang things up more easily and stuff. I've got this Mm. Coat cupboard that I really want to ha- have as like a whole pegboard with all these things, and I just don't even know where to start. I, I so it's on my to do list to do a DIY course and be on the men's table. You got to drag it in, drag <laughs> it in. With the- also, <laughs> let's not call it the men's table. We need no, a rebrand no, immediately. It's not there. It's just woodwork and electrics. <laughs> I remember doing woodwork, and I think it would have been like when you know twelve years old. Did you guys do woodwork at school? So no, because I went to a girls' school, so of course we were taught to cook and serve. Oh, well, we had woodwork and metalwork, but I'm one of six children, and my mum, God, if she had the repair cafe now, she'd be just bringing in loads of wooden utensils. You could tell who had <laughs> made them. The children that were just like, get me out of this class as quick as I can. So my wooden spoon that I made that you were supposed to whittle to a, a width of usability, I was yeah. like... I am so over this. She has got the thickest wooden spoon. (laughs) It's literally a club. I was thinking that we hadn't talked about the carbon calculator and I mentioned it earlier. So one of the things that we have done is that there is a Farnham Repair Cafe that is affiliated to their local university, I think Surrey University, and they have developed a carbon calculator. So we have put in all the things that we fixed and now we know that we have fixed something like 10 tons worth of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere by our activity. So it's great because it's actually a very, very specific UK repair cafe calculator. So it's just really satisfying. Yeah. And they also use that tool to estimate the amount of waste we've saved from landfill. And I can't remember the exact figures, so I should have got those ready for today but it's really nice to be again like fixing a small amount of items but knowing that all of the stuff that we've done is part of a bigger movement to save a lot more 
emissions and landfill around the world. And it, it does. It adds up, especially because a lot of stuff can't actually be recycled. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. And I love that you're able to calculate that to also show the community, which I would imagine spurs people on to keep coming back. Yeah, I don't know about that, but it's been great for us because we've got to know the local media. So we've sent them our stats and then they created new stories about that. So even if you're never likely to come or you're always busy on a Saturday, you, you start kind of learning and start using that knowledge to improve your daily habits or whatever. Oh, How cool. has it been for you personally? What has changed since you've been involved in this journey? Do you feel it's molded you in a different direction? I mean, the thing is, is that I have been on a kind of, uh, I've always been a little bit eco. And then I started my kind of eco journey probably in earnest when I took redundancy. And there was a, it just happened to be kind of Blue Planet when they were talking about the amount of plastic in the ocean. And so I did a kind of plastic audit and started trying to reduce the amount of plastic in the home, which I'm, I'm still doing. I'm still kind of slightly obsessed with recycling. <laughs> and worst and, things to be obsessed about. Slightly yeah, <laughs> weird. Earth and your face. Um, and that was part of my kind of eco journey. And then, uh, like I mentioned, I, I'm on this Facebook group, which I love because it's like this iterative thing where the more you learn, the more you can do and the more you can share. And, and they talk about, you know, talking about it is the most important thing. And so I became less like, it's not just my journey. It's important for me to do this journey and to tell everyone I'm on this journey. And so one of the things I started doing at the end of every year is to do this ta-da list where you kind of go, ta-da, I changed my deodorant to this and I, you know, I started my composting journey or whatever. And I've done it for the last few years. And then this year I was like, oh my God, oh yeah, okay, good. I've got, I've got You've got quite the big ta-da. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of a ta-da. Um, and I was thinking we might we might take this idea and I think we should and use it for our if it's hard with you, Charlotte, use it for our users. I think yes, this is yes, wonderful. Yeah. I love it. That's what it's called the ripple effect. You know, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, it is. Just gotta keep going and keep talking about it and seeing where it lands. Mm, well, well, I'll tell you where it's landed, because I know that you've made quite the impact. Your face is somewhere around my neighborhood. <laughs> I does not know where this is. No, I have can you I I'm, I'm here for the journey make, on this one. I feel like we should make Kate guess where your face is now because of this. Where do you think this beautiful face of Charlotte has ended up? Well, so when I was looking up the Chiswick Repair Cafe, I oh, came across... No, but I came across an article. Yeah, she's cheated. Is it the big issue? Oh, oh no, no, no that's... <laughs> No, I was interviewed for the big issue, which is great. Okay, so that's, yep, I saw the big issue and I thought, oh, maybe your photo was on the cover of it. Should we let her out of her misery? I think she needs one more guess. I want one more guess out of her because she did kind of cheat on that one. If you were just to say, okay, where would you advertise somebody who does the repair cafe? Where would you put them? Billboard. On what? The Apple Store would be irony at its best. <laughs> Charlotte, tell her, put her out of her misery. I love that it's so the opposite of the Apple Store. It so is. Put the dart on the side of the local rubbish trucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, on a Thursday morning down Wait, my street, good. I might just get Charlotte's face popping through. Can we get a video of this so we can put this? <laughs> 
I'm yeah, on the lookout. Right Instagram. I knew it was out there for a while, and every Wednesday for Wednesday for me, I've been jumping <laughs> out looking to see if I'm on that truck, but I haven't found it. Anyway, but they eventually sent me a photo of it. Uh, it's a very uh, Sex in the City moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> All the listeners are out there super inspired like I am by hearing your journey, Charlotte. What would be the piece of advice that you would give to someone who is contemplating setting up a repair cafe in their neighborhood? Yeah, just do it. Find a friend, set it up, ask your counsel, see if you know any fixes. I mean, you just learn from doing it and it's not very hard. And lots of people support you and lots of people love it. And where can people go? to find you and, I mean, other than the rubbish truck, if they want to find out uh, more about the Chiswick Repair Cafe in particular. We've got a website, chiswickrepaircafe.com, and we're on Instagram and Facebook as Chiswick Repair Cafe. And we answer all the emails on chiswickrepaircafe at gmail.com. So we're really happy to give advice and try and help anyone we can. I should note, too, if anybody would like to leave a donation, they can go to the ChiswickRepairCafe.com to help help support the endeavor as well. And of course, we'll have all these links in our show notes for anybody who, like me, didn't know how to spell Chiswick. (laughs) We'll put in the show notes for you. (laughs) Wow. I guess with that, it's time to sign off. But thank you so much for coming, Charlotte. It's been an absolute pleasure. And keep up the good work. And we're going to be adding to our ta-da's because of you. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, yeah, it's been really fun. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Charlotte. Join us next episode for more of the good, the bad, and the laughable as we tackle our own sustainability journeys. And if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share, rate, and review on any podcast platform that you're currently listening to it on. It helps others find the podcast and get the climate conversation flowing. Guilty Greenie is an independently made podcast. So if you'd like to support the podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash guilty greenie where you can find bonus content. And until then, stay curiously green. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.